0: Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Herron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 340. I'm Rachel Herron, and you are listening to How Do You Write? I am so thrilled that you are here today as I am talking to Nat Connors, who is going to talk to us about how crime pays, honestly, in most books, which was so obvious when we started talking about it, but it had never crossed my mind. Completely fa- fascinating. We also talk about his project, Kindle Trends, which is great. We talk about market awareness, all sorts of fun, fun stuff. You are going to love this interview with the charming Nat. So that is coming up. Um, what has been going on around here? I am still doing the video editing of preparing to publish in today's market, which is my going to be my evergreen course on uh, traditional publishing versus self-publishing and all the things you need to know about both. I am really enjoying doing the editing. I actually enjoy doing this kind of thing, but it's also incredibly tedious. And I am so bored of myself. I'm so bored of looking at my face and hearing myself talk and hearing myself stutter. And uh, I'm pretty good at just keeping recording, keeping filming. And then, you know, I need to say the same thing three times and stuttering and cutting those pieces out. But boy is Rachel Heron Heron, just a, I can't even say my own name anymore. Rachel Heron is a snore to me this week. So I can't wait for that to be finished. And hopefully I will get it done. Uh, I was hoping for it to get it done this week, hopefully next week. We have also been doing some packing and getting ready to move in two weeks. So that is coming up. And I need to, as I say this out loud, I'm actually hearing what I'm saying. I need to remember to give myself a little grace as well as we are moving. I always, tend to think that I can downplay the big life stuff and I can't. Life is life and things are weird and moving even just across town is a big deal. And I sometimes I'm just like a cat. I get very upset when things are not in their place. So you'll notice that if you ever look at the video, um, things are mostly still behind me. Everything is packed around me, but I need the backdrop to at least be soothing to me as I look in the camera right now. So Uh, That probably won't look like that next week or the week after that. Uh, But then I look forward to setting up my new office, which will be amazing. Can't wait to be there. Um, Let's see. Oh, I went on a writing retreat over the weekend and that was truly blissful. Um, Me and three dear ones got in the car and we headed north. Uh, we're (laughs) We're still in the holiday time. For New Zealand. And New Zealand goes on vacation from the week before Christmas until about either the 16th or the uh what is it this year? The 16th or the 23rd of January. But when I say everyone, I mean everyone. I may have said this last week, but like my pharmacy is closed. Uh everything is closed. And when we were making these reservations to hang out, because Allie, aka Mulford, uh, was coming into from Australia to do this. We couldn't really move times around. That was what we had. And then (laughs) the nearest place we could find with four bedrooms, because we are all women who like our own space. And I love that about us was a couple of hours North, which in New Zealand is like driving for 12 hours. Oh my God. If you drove two hours in in the States, that could just be getting home from the concert in San Francisco and living in Oakland. Uh, But we drove two, two and a half hours North and we road tripped. We all went in my car and we stayed in this post office in a tiny one horse town named Kim Bolton. And it had one fantastic restaurant and another restaurant, which was also really, really good. But uh, we went to that one night because the restaurant in town closed at five because it was the holidays and they didn't need to be open for dinner. They were more of a cafe. So we went to the other restaurant that was open. It was 20 minutes into the country. Y'all, we drove 20 minutes into the country. Nothing but sheep and grazing land and hills and dales. And suddenly this little barbecue joint that was full of New Zealand farmers wearing stubbies, which um, it was just, it was what a blessing. It was so good. And we got great food from them. And we just sat around and ate so many snacks and did a lot of writing. I was kind of a dumbass and forgot my computer cord, which was actually not that bad uh, because um, I got five hours on my computer. I finished the revision I was working on on Seven Miracles again for my agent um, last time, hopefully. And that goes out this week. And I got that done. And then after my computer died, all I could do was just sit around and read. And that was blissful. So we had a really wonderful kind of intimate time doing the writer retreat thing. I can't recommend it more. If you have a few writing buddies near you, just go away for the weekend if you can afford it. And I know that finding that time and space and energy is difficult, but if it is a possibility, I recommend that you do it. If you don't have any writing friends yet, make some. What that means is going to maybe some of your local meetups. And as I always say, avoid the guy who calls himself Uncle Irving because he'll be there, but there might be somebody who really, you really click with and you can tell. Go after that person. Make friends with them. Become writing buddies. It can be incredibly amazing. So uh, that's what I did and now I'm back and um, classes are going great. I love my students. That's always true and I'm so lucky in that. I think that's about all that have been going on around here. I have also gotten back into nail polish. You will see I've got red nail polish on. Thank you, Ann Kemp. That was a really random thing to share with you, but that's some kind of feeling random today. So um, randomly let me thank the new patrons. You can always check out my Patreon over at patreon.com slash Rachel. These are the new ones and you are supporting me writing the essays that are the passion of my heart. They really, really are. Plus, I've got some perks over there to help writers. But what your patronage really means to me is that I get to write these essays that I love writing. So to Katie Forrest, who upped her pledge, thank you, thank you. I wish for you the sole satisfaction that comes when you write a scene that you thought would stump you forever and instead simply pours out of you. To Tess Enterlin, I wish you the feeling of having exercised without having to sweat at all. You are left with all the cardiovascular benefits and with none of the wheezing, just the endorphins coursing through your body. Uh, to Stacy Ramey, I wish for you the smell of a box of fresh pencils and the joy of the shavings curling as the points get sharper and sharper, ready to be used by you. Ooh. Just think about that smell. That is one of the best smells ever, isn't it? I once had a perfume that had, it was a Chanel. Oh, I've got to figure out which Chanel that was. It had the undertone of pencil shavings. Oh, it was good. Uh, To Rebecca Hunter. Hello, Rebecca. For you, I wish the satisfaction of turning exactly the right phrase, the one that will make people feel precisely the emotion that you wanted to insert right into their heartstrings. Well done, you. And to Tom Holbrook, I wish for you the happiness that comes after a day spent in a hammock reading the best book that you can remember opening in many, many years. So, thank you to my patrons, all past, present, and future patrons. I really, really appreciate you. And I hope you all like these wishes that I am giving for patrons because um, they're fun for me to think of, they're fun for me to say. And I hope that as I say them, even though I'm saying them to the new patron, I hope that you get a little bit of ease and comfort. And um, happiness from hearing them too. So they're going out to you too. Thank you for being here, for listening. Please enjoy this interview with Nat. Here is his bio. Nat Connors is a rom com writer, medical scientist, and dance teacher, and creator of the Kindle Trends newsletter for genre fiction authors. Kindle Trends started when Nat got fed up with trying to make sense of the Kindle store and wanted a no nonsense summary of the most important information. Nat shared it with author friends and now wants to share it with the author community as a whole. Nat works at writing every day and uses this information to write, publish, and launch their own books. So it has to be focused, relevant, and actionable. Please enjoy this interview with Nat. And here we go. This episode is brought to you by my book, Fast Draft Your Memoir, Write Your Life Story in 45 Hours, which is, by the way, totally doable. And I tell you how. It's the same class I teach in the Continuing Studies program at Stanford each year, and I'll let you in on a secret. Even if you have no interest in writing a memoir yet, the book has everything I've ever learned about the process of writing, and of revision, and of story structure, and of just doing this thing that's so hard and yet all we want to do. Pick it up today. Well, I'm so pleased to have you on the show today. Will you please share your name and
1: pronouns with us? Thank you very much, Rachel. Uh, Nat Connors, he they.
0: Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, Thank you. You are in charge of a very cool thing out on the internet, and we're going to talk about that. But I met you in person, and I was like, this guy is cool. So please come on the show and talk about the thing. And the thing I am referring to is Kindle Trends. And people know me by now that I don't have... I don't talk about things on the show that I don't like, that I don't believe in, that I don't haven't tried, I haven't used, um, and Kindle Trends is pretty cool. So I want to talk about uh, what Kindle Trends is and then also how you got there, how you came yeah. to Kindle Trends.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Okie dokie. I mean, one of the things, before I start, one of the things that I like the most about uh, your uh, craft work, Rachel, is how, um, as well as articulate it is. Uh, how carefully thought through it is. Um, I'm here Thanks. to say that I, I, yeah, your your protestations about winging stuff, um, I'm just not so sure about because uh, <laughs> your craft work, uh, and there's a point to this about Kendall Trends, um, your craft work is really measured and methodical. And that was one of the things that kind of switched me on to it, that um, because I'm kind of a bit of a nerd, I when I started uh, self-publishing, which was about, I don't know, six years ago or so, Um, I'd always thought I'd grow, I would grow up to be a writer because uh, I was kind of a small kid with really thick glasses, I wear contact lenses, and I'm an only child. So I couldn't catch a ball, which uh, in like uh, early 70s New Zealand is not so good. So, So I always thought I'd grow up to be a writer, you know, but then life got in the way as it does. And I came back to the idea about five or six years ago, and I'd done a bunch of things that were quite sort of analytic. And one of the things I wanted to do was to understand as a genre fiction writer, what people really wanted, what they were looking for in in their genre fiction. Um, and I found that really interesting, just the process of looking through people's comments on on the Amazon store and, and so on, and understanding what people liked and what they didn't like and and why and how it sort of changed. And I was doing this. And at one point, I was like, man, I wish I could just get an Excel spreadsheet of all of this information, like all the blurbs and, and the ranks and the names of the authors and stuff and just kind of clicking, there it is. Yeah. Um, So I started doing that for myself. And like a lot of indie authors, I ended up kind of with a community around me of people that I'd met on various sites and, and all this kind of thing. And I sent that to some of them. And they were like, hey, this is great. Can you do this for historical romance? Can you do this for short romance? Can you do this for dark romance? Can you do it for cozy mystery and stuff? And at about that point, they were all saying man, you should totally sell this. You should totally sell this. Um, and I was like, no, look, I'm a writer. I don't, I, I'm not a data analyst. It's not my gig. I just, I just write about love. Um, <laughs> and, and so, but eventually I kind of succumbed and I thought, look, if this is something where I can um, use a little bit of kind of data analysis, nerdery uh, and fuse it to uh, my writing and my interest in self-publishing and helping other people, because I, I do a lot of sort of teaching type stuff. Um, then that's that's actually a lot of fun. And it has been a lot of fun because I've gotten to learn so much from people who uh write in all different genres mm. you know I always say I'm not an ex I'm barely an expert in my own genre let alone anybody else's and what we've what what we've seen and I've seen over the past couple of years is the dynamics of different genres are very different you know that what I call market mechanics that's like um how frequently people publish and the length of books and the kinds the the structure of blurbs radically different you know everyone knows that different uh cover tropes are different but also we Can see things across different uh markets um just when you know when you and i were at rwnz the great romance writers of new zealand conference um uh one of the things that we were looking at there was the difference in cozy mystery cover design between just to dive into an example cozy mystery cover design between the german market And the US and UK market, radically Mm -hmm. different. Uh, And if anyone's interested, I can link to some of that where you can, like, if you look at cover montages like this, very different, similar kinds of books, but the the visual language uh, of these things in different markets is very different, and, and sometimes you know, we never even would, the
0: uh, same book itself, if it's traditionally published, when I've been traditionally published, I'll yes. do different covers in yes. different markets because of that. It's but yeah, yeah it's fascinating. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. So one of the things I'm looking at with uh, working with the Spar Girls on at the moment is a comparison of Amazon versus wide storefronts, Barnes and Noble, Google oh, Books. Wow. And, you know, same thing. Same thing. What we want to do is look at. Um, Uh, KU covers versus uh, uh, wide covers and see, are there any systematic differences? And if so, the question there is like, if you are in KU and you want to go wide, do you need to recover? Mm -hmm. The answer is it depends. We'll find out in what way, you know. And also, if you're starting off wide, what kind of cover design should you have uh, if you want something that you're not going to need to recover? What kind of cover design is going to work both for Amazon and wide? Same thing with price points, you know, a lot, yep. lots to go on about there.
0: That's fascinating. That is fascinating. So, are you still enjoying? Uh, well, actually, we haven't answered the question. What is Kindle Trends? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, sorry, I got off the topic. So, okay. Kindle Trends is a weekly and monthly set of newsletters. Uh, that I send out to a bunch of indie uh, authors and uh, small publishers and so forth that gives you up-to-date information about what's going on in a bunch of different genres across the Kindle store. The kind of elevator pitch, the 30-second thing that I say to people is it's like the Wall Street Journal or the Financial Times for working fiction authors. Like if you're a writer and you want to keep up quickly with what's going on on in your genre, then you get this email every Monday morning and you sit down with your tea or coffee or or whatever, uh, and you look at what's going on. And so, this is all information that we can find out ourselves. But what I do for people is collect it all in one place and then show you the differences, so you can see what's become more popular last uh, since last week or last month. Uh, if you wanna, if you're writing blurbs, you can see all of the blurbs in the top 100, all in one file, and just kind of skim through them and spot the ones, this is an exercise I do every week, uh, spot the ones that uh, really kind of catch your attention, you know, and those are the ones that you maybe want to study to figure out. If you want to look at covers, you can see all the the different covers from the top 100 or the top 400 or whatever. You can also use that information for generating Amazon ads. I know a lot of people uh, who are into making Amazon ads do this kind of every week or every month because they look at the books that are moving the fastest, you know. So, Overall, I guess Kindle Trends is helping people uh, make their research time more efficient and effective. So it's sort of doing all the donkey work of going and getting stuff and then presenting it to you in a way that means you can use your human brain. Because I'm a very lazy person, Rachel. Um, you can use your human brain to do the stuff that only humans can do. You know,
0: I'm not going to buy the lazy thing because you do you I'm do a- more before nine a.m. than I don't know how you respond to all the emails and you respond personally and that's fabulous but what you're just saying about kindle trends does make me think about um what what we were discussing in email market awareness versus market following because my own competitive nature when i start thinking about like what is happening right now what is going on right now it makes me want to do it right now and Mm. and chase the 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 you know chase the market talk to me about talk me down
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Now that's. A, I mean, I. Oh, we just done. I think for me the most important thing here is I started from a belief which I still have that being aware of the market is as much a matter of nourishing my own creative practice. If that doesn't sound too kind of um, airy fairy as it is making money. I mean, I I am a professional fiction writer. I work at writing every day and everything. But I'm here for the long haul. And what that means is I need to do something that is also creatively fulfilling for me. I need to make sure that I enjoy my day, you know, um, because... Like the, the 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 opposition between writing to market and uh, writing for your heart, I think I now believe is a bit of a phony one. I I don't think it's like there's an element of that, and everyone has good days and bad days. I mean, I'm sure you're you know there are days I'm sure where you need to sit down and go right butt in chair, type fingers on keyboard, type you know. But what you hope is that the good days outnumber the tough days, yeah. and for me, a big part of that is making sure that I'm telling stories that uh, I enjoy, but also that other people enjoy. So I'd always urge uh, your listeners and everyone else out there to think of market awareness rather than writing to market or writing to trend. So that that's one thing is the more I see how many other great writers there are out there in my uh, genre or in any other genre, and the more I see how um, excited uh, and how much fun other readers get out of that stuff. That isn't depressing for me. It has an innovating effect. Like I, I get excited by it because I'm like, wow, look at all this great writing. Look at all the fun that people are having, all the emotions they're experiencing. This is cool. I want to be a part of that. So that's the first thing, I suppose, that market awareness for me is about um, – understanding what's out there and, and um, making sure that I inform my own writing through what other people are doing I don't mm-hmm. you know I, I I don't think you need to worry very much about uh plagiarism or sort of copying what other people do because I, i'm I hope you'd agree that if someone gave you and I like a, a detailed scene- by- scene plot outline and said okay guys go and write this book we'd end up with totally different books because of our backgrounds who we are be a pretty interesting exercise. I- I've, I've always to-
0: wanted to do that exercise. I've always wanted I to challenge written- like two or three yep. people to do that.
1: Yep. I would like to do it, and I would like to see whether you whether uh, like in a blind uh, trial whether you could even tell they were generated by the same plot outline. Interesting. Irish is, yep. Right. Yeah. Because individual yeah. voices are very very different. You know. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think we need to be worried. That's the second. I don't think we need to be worried uh, so much about um, being driven by the market or anything like that. Instead, I think um, we are aware of what's going on without being bound by it. And the third thing. And this relates to something really interesting i was having a conversation with one of my colleagues about a while ago is that i i get what you mean about wanting to sort of chase the market but if you dig into uh tropes or themes or things that are popular i reckon you can kind of unpack them and understand what the emotions are that are driving them the role that those themes or tropes or whatever play in a plot And then you can fold them into your own creative process. And a big part of what I talk about, I've got this kind of four part how to do research uh, article series on the Kindle Trends website, which we can link to. And a big part of that actually is about unpacking tropes. You know, there's lots of great craft writing out there about what tropes mean. Well, one of the things that I want to contribute to that is the idea that tropes are a uh, a shorthand for a package of emotions and experiences.
0: Oh, that's a beautiful um, way to say
1: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't take like this is a collaborative thing. I'm a scientist. So that was a collaborative kind of concept. And my it, yeah. uh, favorite yeah, my favorite example here, and I don't want to dwell on this too much. It's, it's one that I use in my teaching is that uh, vampire stories aren't really about being dead or drinking blood. Um, they are about different things depending on the genre. In the context of a horror story, a vampire, uh, the vampire trope conveys like a sense of uh, hopelessness, damnation, um, being forsaken by God, um, you know, all of that, like a sense of eternal torment, right? Uh, But in a romance context, uh, a vampire, the trope of vampirism Uh, is much more likely to be associated with sort of obsessive love or Mm -hmm. like a sense of eternal protection, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's a great example, like an easy example of a situation where we've got this one concept, vampires, uh, but the trope actually and the emotions that it implies are different depending on the genre. Now, what I think this means is you could write a story that appeals to uh, people who like vampire stories without necessarily having a vampire in it, as long as you unpack the trope and you fold it into what you're doing, you know? Right, right. Uh, and that's why, yeah, yeah. So, so that's my, my sort of take-home thing there is that understanding tropes through market research is about unpacking the emotions and experiences in the trope and then folding that back into your creative process and writing them your way.
0: I love hearing all of this and it makes so much sense to me. And what I have done and what has worked for me. And I I, know, I would love to know your opinion on it is because <laughs> I I always feel the urge to chase the market. And then I want to lay on the carpet in my office and die when I think about it. So then I write the book that I love. And then <laughs> this is maybe really, really this is backwards. But then I start doing the research about where I can fit it into because I Mm -hmm. used to do the research of where I was going to put it. And then I wanted to die. And now I write the book I want to write and I figure out where it goes. And something like Kindle Trends helps me with that because then I can determine what is happening, where I want to place it, what I want to do with covers, what I want to do with tropes, blurbs. I mean, I've already done the things with tropes, but identifying them uh, because we write them naturally and having this much information at your fingertips is the helpful, helpful part.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, so picking up on something you just said there, uh, often we write tropes naturally, and that's right and proper. That's kind of how it is, you know. So I would say there's sort of a push pull relationship between our own uh, internal creative process and the market. And that's how it should be. Um, I don't think anybody really sits down and says with like with a completely blank slate and has no personal feelings about what they want to write. Um, and on the other hand, I don't think anybody writes an entire thing with like, nobody creates in a vacuum. We are inspired by all the things around us, by the sunset, by talking to the people we love, by the music that we love, all of those things. And they come from the same creative spring as the books in your genre, ultimately via, you know, a pretty long ass process. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, I think what you're talking about is compl- is very common that you will have an idea for something, but I-, I would claim that actually, like your ideas are being subconsciously influenced by a lot Absolutely. of the same sources as the things that are going on in the market. You know, so you get to a point where your story is kind of half formed or three quarters formed, and then you're sort of thinking, okay, where's this going to sit? How does it fit with my backlist? Um, uh, how does it fit with? Uh, like my brand now and the writer that I want to be, you know, someone like you, who's got a very strong sense of your own brand, um you can say okay this is if i if i want to write this kind of story here's how i fit it into what my readers want and here's how i fit it into my brand you know but for someone who is maybe earlier on in their writing journey they've got to do a bit before they can get to that point you know they've got to try one thing and then try another thing so something else that i i hope kindle trends helps people with is that process uh, helping them dig into what is resonating with readers in the market, and then deciding which parts are for them, which parts to you know helping people develop their brand, which I think is really neat. It's because and, it's a difficult.
0: And before anybody you know falls off their chair at the at the word brand, I always like to point out that brand is something we talk about in marketing. You know, knowing that is important, but it is also knowing what your heart is. I believe our brands come directly from what our core stories are, and my core story is always. The mother-daughter relationship, or chosen family, but what that boils down to is is hope, and that yep. is and and it's, so hope is my brand. When people look at my books, it's not on my website, it's not, but that's what they feel. And then knowing where that. Kind of brand fits into tropes and genres, and what is hot in the market right now. Yeah, so yeah. So yeah. we were uh, emailing back and forth, and you had a really interesting take on. I mean, I, I, I bet you see things all the time that are surprising and interesting. Um, but you mentioned something about crime yeah being, look, being this, yeah tell me about this because this yeah this is a
1: really interesting uh this is a really interesting story so one of the things that we do uh quite a bit in kindle trends is look at the uh relative popularity of certain tropes or what i call story elements which is kind of like a general term because i like i love arguing about craft and saying, well, this is a trope and this is a theme and, you know, but I I sort of wanted a general term. And so I I kind of weaseled out a wee bit and said, uh, came up with the concept of topic tags, like things that are in a story. And uh, one of the great things about genre fiction is we've got to generally, we've got to generally be pretty clear about what is in our books. We have to, uh, like, if you've got a found family theme or an enemies to lovers theme or something, you should probably have those words in your blurb somewhere. Yeah. And I like I'm because I'm a pretty simple guy, um, I I'm fine with that. You know, there's no room for coyness. You've got to be pretty clear about what your what's in your book. You know, you can you can show off, you can have a little bit of cleverness and you can kind of hook people in, and that's cool. But A lot of what we want is to be very clear to readers, okay, this is what is in this book. And if you like this kind of book, you should maybe give it a try. So one of the things that we do in in Kindle Trends then is um, get all of the uh, best-selling blurbs for a month or something in a given category, and then look at the frequency of certain kinds of words. And then we kind of group them by tags. This is like a text analysis kind of thing. And you see this a lot in, in the news when people are writing reports about soybeans and stuff like that but i prefer to use it in this situation because it's a lot more fun and yeah. so to give you an example um if uh a blurb has uh, a lot of romance words in it then it will get romance associated tags if a blurb has words like uh heist or robbery or uh crime or murder or something then it will get the crime tag and what we've done over the last sort of 20, 24 months is look at the um the relative popularity of all of these tags in the top 400 books every month, month after month after month. And you know, books come in and they come out and stuff. But what we're looking at is um, what are the most common things in the books that are making money that are, are appealing to readers right now? And one of the really is two really interesting findings. One is that um markets, I don't think are as trendy as we think they are popular uh, themes or story elements in um, large genres, like mystery or romance or science fiction, fantasy, whatever, those things tend to be pretty constant. So Mm -hmm. they don't go up and down with one exception, which I'll talk about in a minute. But the other interesting thing is the uh, tag crime is the top five in the top five more like the top three for every genre there is it's the top in mystery which is like yeah of course it is it's also the top in romance it's also the top in science fiction it's also the top in fantasy Uh, like it's in the top five um well see that's the thing you you would know uh, as a as a craft expert you'll have your own theories and I'd love to hear them I think uh, because I was like, "Whoa, I've got a—I must have missed a comma here somewhere, or failed to carry the one, or something (laughs) like that." And then I looked at it, and I wasn't—no, it wasn't. And I think what it is is a very interesting craft finding, which is that crime and criminal behaviour is actually a very flexible uh, plot instrument for lots of stories in lots of genres. It can motivate a character's backstory. It can. Raise stakes like at the midpoint turn. It can uh, act as the justification for something in a like in a denouement. But also, it can act in a romance. Um, There's likely to be crime in the far future. I'm sure there was crime in the distant past. You know. So it's of all the elements, it's one which is maybe the most flexible of all the things that we use to craft stories. And that I think is why it's it's consistently um, popular. Isn't the word? But it's. Consistently frequent in almost every kind of uh, every kind of genre.
0: I find that absolutely fascinating. Yeah, and weird, also eh? on a yeah. on a like a thirty thousand foot psychosocial psychological level, uh, you know, my history as I was writing, but I was also a nine one one dispatcher, and so I think a lot about mm. danger and uh, fear and crime and all of those things. Um, and one of the reasons I believe that people love to have crime mixed in with their stuff, no matter what genre they're reading it. It always means that if we're watching something, if we're watching someone be in danger or watching something scary happen, it means it's not happening to us, which is why people like to watch scary shows and read scary books, because we can keep our eyes on the danger. And if we're folding that into what we're writing and it that is also a hook or a lure for our readers to want to be inside it
1: too. Um, Oh, that's just so juicy. It is interesting. Yeah. Although I'd also add that it can create a sense of uh, what's the word momentum for a character arc. So Mm -hmm. really obvious one, like in a romance, um, you can have a character who has a criminal past And that is a sort of slam dunk, very uh, uh, universally recognizable way of uh, giving them a redemption arc. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you've got character momentum and stuff without there ever actually being any actual crimes going on in the story, right? So you can have someone who was a cat burglar or something, and then you've got, bam, inbuilt character arc. Also, tension, will their, you know, will their criminal past be uncovered? Should they do something wrong to avoid it being uncovered? You know, if they're trying to put that behind them and all of those kinds of things. So. Um, Again, that's a good example of where you don't actually have to have any crimes in your narrative for the the concept of crime to provide like oomph to your plot.
0: Yeah, I remember Kristen Higgins uh, wrote one of her early rom-coms and the hero had just gotten out of prison, which was so taboo at the time. This is, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Um, And I 100% don't remember what he did or why he went in and I don't care. But that no, no, was no, no. that was no, it, it was no, the yeah. equivalent of him walking with a limp from the wars, right? The, the that was his that was his wound. That I Having wanted a mysterious
1: to... scar that he doesn't talk about. Yeah, Mystery. Yeah, there's an element of like what's going on and everything. Yeah. So one of the things that I really like about that whole finding was it was completely empirical. Like, um, yeah. we had I had no idea that it was going to happen before we did it. I just sort of ran the numbers and went, oh, that's a bit strange. Um, <laughs> and that's yeah, the the the, the scientist uh, in me kind of really enjoys that part. Because Because that's a like a genuine research kind of discovery, but also it's not abstruse or anything. Like it's a it's an interesting thing which is relatable to every author's kind of daily experience, and that's that's what I like Mm -hmm. actually. Um, It's and also it's
0: it's it's, going to make people feel good if they have crime elements in in their novels, and also it doesn't need to. You don't need to go add one. People. If you don't yeah, have yeah, one, yeah, I mean, it's a question what do. of do, what,
1: yeah. yeah. What's the, yeah, like with any trope, like I was saying, with any plot element, what's it doing in a, a story? For me, that's the thing, it's not there for the thing itself, it's there because of the role that it plays in a story, raising stakes, um, moving the narrative forward, creating a certain kind of tone, like you know, drama or bathos or or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, when I'm looking at stories, I'm sort of always, if I've got my Uh, kind of craft hat on, I'm always saying what role are these elements playing in the story and how can I fold that into my own storytelling?
0: Speaking of craft and your own writing, we won't go into your pen name or anything like that, but what I would just love to know, what is your favorite part of writing? What is the part of writing that brings you the most joy?
1: Ooh, um. Um it's not clicking publish and worrying about whether my book's going to tank or not. I can tell you that. Um what? so I that's one of the it. yeah, no no, the old anxiety attack. I don't enjoy that. No. Um <laughs> we've all done it. But um uh that's a good question. I think um I think there's a couple of things I like. Um I like the sense of looking back. This is going to sound a bit strange. I like the sense of looking back on a book I wrote a little while ago and saying Actually, that was okay. Actually, I'm okay oh, with this. Yeah. It's not a, you know, you know, because you're you're wrestling with the plot, and it's never the way you want, or or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you sort of, you know, you go, all right, this is okay. It's it's okay. It's not terrible. It's it's how I want it. Yep. Uh, and then later on, you know, with a little bit of distance, you go back and you look at it, and you're like, that was quite funny. That was a good line. Wow, that was a you know, I you know, you know. So that's nice. I, I like that. And I suppose the other thing, which is maybe a bit obvious, is I really like getting. Um, uh, emails from uh, or any kind of correspondence from readers and having them tell me that their book that, that that I enjoyed they enjoyed my book or um that it made a difference to them or that it touched them emotionally you know that's quite a I still haven't lost and I bet you haven't I still haven't lost the wow factor that I I can actually like it's not even the getting paid getting paid's cool but um the the idea that I can actually affect people emotionally just by making up stories. Like I, I don't, as old as I get, uh, I don't think I'll ever lose the sense of wonder about that.
0: The wonder and joy. And I just got one actually this morning from someone. And I was like, how did I get this lucky that, that somebody yeah. took time from their day? I mean, how often do you read a book that you love? And then you pick up a, the, the, you go to the computer and write them a note? you don't do that. I don't do that very often. No. Sometimes I do it, but, no. but I almost never do it. I close a book with gratitude and move on to the next book. And the fact that somebody mm. takes the time to do that always just absolutely blows me away
1: yeah yeah that's one all right yeah
0: so if people wanted to explore kindle trends where would they go and what would they do
1: right so the first thing is um you can go to kindletrends.com uh and we'll have the link in the show notes um you can sign up there uh first month's completely free one of the things is i'm like i'm not really an internet sales person um Uh, I'm a writer first and foremost, and I do this um, at least partly to kind of help the community. So uh, it's intentionally priced really low. um, And we'll talk about a a discount code in a sec. And like, I I very much want it to be worth um, people. I want it to be saving people money every month. Um, There is no, there's one flat price, no upselling, no premium tiers, nothing like that. Um, uh, And if it's not useful for you, I'll just give you your money back. Um, it's not a big deal. I know you right? would. Seriously. I know you would too. Yep. To can people pay, come yep, in
0: if they want to, to get the research for a month or two and then go out and then come back yeah, sure. in the next no, it's time months, their book is uh, published? You month,
1: yeah. month you can cancel it any time. If it's not, as I say, um, if it's not paying, uh, like it's not, if it's not saving you money every month, I don't want to take your money. Um, I want to make the product better. So it is basically. And, you know, I think it does that. And I think it saves people. I think it's good value for what it is. And if I could get a wee bit soapboxy for like 10 seconds, one of the things that I really wanted to do was because I'm kind of a bit of an egalitarian is I wanted to give indie authors a set of heavyweight analysis tools that are the kind of things that the big five publishing houses have access to. um, But indies generally don't. I want to level the playing field for indies. And um, I think, I think we've done that. I think we've got with Kendall trends, we've got some stuff that um, is the equal of anything that people at penguin random house or anyone else has got. And that's my, that's my ambitious goal, right. Is to give indies something where they can do the same stuff. I
0: think it's better. I think it's better because I I think that there's such high turnover right now at a lot of the big five publishers in in all of the ways that there are there they probably have those tools and not the people to run them or build them or understand what's going on and we see that what hap- in what happens with their blurbs and their keywords and their yeah. covers and and um this makes us the, it, it makes the indie writer stronger
1: yes so, yes absolutely and yeah. Yeah. the sense of community um the other thing i think i i want to really emphasize with kindle trends is that i am uh i like to think of myself as being sort of a community liaison is maybe it sounds a bit kind of silly but what what i'm saying is i don't purport to know any uh, anything about other people about genres as i say i barely know about my own but instead what i do try and do is crowdsource a lot of information i'm out talking to writers uh, every day asking them hey does this make sense to you i'm i'm seeing this in the data does that resonate with things that you've seen based on your own knowledge or does it challenge it? If so, what does it mean? You know, so uh, that's a very important part. And a lot of the consensus, like, you know, the, the idea of the concept of the topic tags that we were talking about before, that's all crowdsourced. You can download the list for free off the Kindle trends website. If you want to look at it, if you think, Hey, this one's not right, or there's this other thing, that's a really important concept in my genre. Then I welcome people emailing me and saying, Hey, this is, you know, you should, Add this um, because that's exactly how it all kind of comes out, you know. So, Mm. so much of indie publishing is a team sport that uh, I think we really want to focus on that. And the data analysis stuff, in a way, kind of helps because it means we've got this one set of data that we can talk about and we can argue about hey, what does this mean? I think it means that. And, you know, but we've got the data there and it's accessible to everyone, which I think is kind of cool.
0: I love that. And it's $7,000 a month or (laughs)
1: Um, so one of the things that I wanted to do was to offer something to your listeners and viewers, I guess, Rachel. And so I've set up a a discount code. um, And what were we going to call it?
0: I think uh, let's call it how do you write.
1: How do you write? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So if you go to the Kindle Trends website and put in the discount code, how do you write? Normally, Kindle Trends is $15 US a month. All of the pricing is in US dollars. I stress again, though, that the first month is completely free. If you don't like it, you can just cancel and that's it. Um, but if you use the code, how do you write? Then you will get $5 off forever. So it will be, uh, 10 measly us dollars a month. Um, <laughs> uh, and I hope that it's that much, it's at least that much value for you. So that's in perpetuity for as long as you want it.
0: That's good stuff. Thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate <laughs> oh, no, doing no, that for no, my no, listeners no. because it is very cool. And I am so glad to know you and you're an awesome chap and no. it's so fun to talk to you. Where are you from in New Zealand?
1: Um, okay. I was born in Auckland, but I grew up in Taranaki, um, in the shadow of uh, Mount Taranaki, uh, oh, on nice. a sheep farm, as it happens.
0: Ah, so I'm, I'm my my people are from the sheep farms of Ashburton and Metal. Oh, really? So a oh, little south. That's why you've got a posher accent than my people.
1: Um <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, the, the, I one do. thing I don't I, do. I don't remember about fungamometer <laughs> was that it was posh, but okay. <laughs> It's plusher
0: than Methvin. Don't tell (laughs) Methvin. Nat, it has been so fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for everything that you give to the community. And it's been a joy to talk to you.
1: Yeah, it was cool. Thank you very much, Rachel.
0: Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write?